Welcome to Flip the Script Podcast. This is transmission number 15. Today we're going to continue with The Art of War by Sun Tzu. We're going to be doing chapters 4 and 5. But before we get to that, if you're watching on YouTube, please hit the subscribe button, hit the like button, hit the share button. If you are listening on audio on Apple uh, Podcasts, then give me a review. Hit the five stars, give a review, share it, tell your friends. All right. So we're going to continue with the Art of War. We're going to flip the script. We're going to start with chapters four and five. I will be giving an explanation. We can use these tactics from the Art of War and apply them to our everyday lives and our everyday situation so that we can win the battles that we're fighting every day, whether that's a battle within ourselves, battle against our coworkers, battle against our whatever it is, whatever battle you're fighting, you can use the art of war in your everyday life and win battles. All right, so let's flip the script. This is chapter number four, titled Tactical Dispositions. Number one, Sun Tzu said, the good fighters of the old put themselves beyond the possibility of defeat and then waited for an opportunity by defeating the enemy. To secure ourselves against defeat lies in our own hands, but the opportunity of defeating the enemy is provided by the enemy himself. Thus, the good fighter is able to secure himself against defeat, but cannot make certain of defeating the enemy. Hence, the saying, one may know how to conquer without being able to do it. Security against defeat implies defensive tactics. Ability to defeat the enemy means taking the offensive. Okay, let's dissect this a little bit. So Sun Tzu said that good fighters, they put themselves beyond the possibility of defeat, which means that they are not thinking about being defeated at all. In their minds, they have already won. So whatever it is that we're doing, whatever battle that we're fighting, Whatever our plan is, we cannot think about being defeated or that our plan is going to fail. We have to, in our minds, already believe it, already know that we have won the battle before we even go into it. So then Sun Tzu also says that to secure ourselves against defeat lies in our own hands, but in the opportunity of defeating the enemy is provided by the enemy himself. This means that you have to capitalize on your enemy's mistakes, right? So whenever your opponent makes a mistake, you have to seize on that opportunity. You can't let them slide. You can't let them get away with it. You have to seize on that opportunity. And then it says that one may know how to conquer without being able to do it. So this comes down to knowing the steps of what to do, reading out of a textbook, operating some type of machine, or you have your PMPs and you have, you know what to do, but when actually doing it in real life, it's not the same. So it's, you don't get that type of experience by just knowing. You have to actually put the knowledge that you gain into action. So that's what he means by knowing how to do it, but not being able to do it, right? And then security against defeat implies defensive tactics, ability to defeat an enemy by taking the offensive. In a prior video, 
I did. It was titled What to Do When You Feel Like You're Being Attacked or When You Feel Like You're Under Attack. And that video was pretty short, but it was about going from an defensive position when you become attacked and going into an offensive position. And that transition and how you could go from being in the defense to the offense. If you haven't checked out that video, go check it out. It ties right in with this point that Sun Tzu made. All right, let's continue. Let's flip the script. The general who is skilled in defense hides in the most secret recesses of the earth. He who is skilled in attack flashes forth from the topmost heights of heaven. Thus, on the one hand, we have the ability to protect ourselves. On the other, a victory that is complete. Jocko says all the time, he has t-shirts that say, take the high ground before the high ground takes you. This is what Sun Tzu is saying here. To see victory only when it is within the ken of the common herd is not the acme of excellence. Neither is it the same of excellence if you fight and conquer and the whole empire says, well done. To lift an autumn hair is no sign of great strength. To see the sun and the moon is no sign of sharp sight. To hear the noise of thunder is no sign of quick ear. So basically what Sun Tzu is saying here is doing the things that everybody else does does not make you better, does not make you superior, does not make you uncommon. It just makes you like everybody else. So if you want to set yourself apart from everybody else, you have to do things that nobody else is doing. When everybody else is sleeping, you're studying, you're working, you're training. When everybody else is sleeping in, you're waking up early, you're putting in that time, you're putting in that work, and you're doing something every single day that brings you closer to accomplishing your goals. All right, so then, what the ancients called the clever fighter is one who would not only win, but excels in winning with ease. Hence, his victories bring him neither reputation for wisdom nor credit for courage. So if you're looking for glory, if you're looking to be recognized, whatever it is, don't expect that. Because nine times out of ten, nobody's going to want to give you credit for anything that you do. And most of the time, there's going to be people that are going to try to take your credit. Even though that you did the work, they're going to try to say that they did it or that it was under their leadership that you were able to accomplish what you accomplished. All right, so don't focus on the glory. Don't focus on the attention. Just focus on getting it done. He wins his battles by making no mistakes is what establishes the certainty of victory, for it means conquering an enemy that is already defeated. So as we said before, you have to have in your own mind the belief that you have already won, right? And then you can't make any mistakes. We see this in sports all the time. A team that is constantly getting fouls in basketball is most likely going to lose that. In football, if you're constantly getting penalties, you're, you're losing yardage. You're setting yourself up for defeat by making mistakes from getting penalties, right? So when you, the less mistakes you made, the better position you're in, and capitalize on your enemy's mistakes, and then your enemy is already defeated, right?
Hence, the skillful fighter puts himself into a position which makes defeat impossible and does not miss the moment for defeating the enemy. Thus, it is that in war, the the victorious strategist only seeks battle after a victory has been won, whereas he who is destined to defeat first fights and afterwards look for victory. All right, so this is like when you think about uh, Floyd Mayweather, right? He was very strategic in his fights that he fought, and he became, he's undefeated. But he knew what he was doing. He knew how to pick his fights. He was very strategic in what he did. And because of that, he's arguably one of the best boxers that ever lived. All right, let's continue. Flip the script. Consummate leader cultivates the moral law and strictly adheres to a method of discipline. Thus, it is in his power to control success. In respect of military method, we have, firstly, measurement, secondly, estimation of quantity, thirdly, calculation, fourthly, balancing of chances, fifthly, victory. All right, so military method here, right? So we have measurement. Estimation, calculation, balancing of chances, and then victory. Measurement owes its excellence to the earth. Estimation of quantity to measurement. Calculation to estimation of quantity. Balancing of chances to calculation. And victory to balancing of chances. All right. We're going to continue. Let's go to chapter five. And this one is about energy. Sun Tzu said, The control of a large force is the same principle as the control of a few men. It is merely a question of dividing up their numbers. Fighting with a large army under your command is no wise different from fighting with a small one. It is merely a question of instituting signs and signals. To ensure that your whole host may withstand the brunt of the enemy's attack, and remain unshaken. This is effective by maneuvers, direct and indirect. So a direct and indirect maneuvers, you will be able to withstand an enemy's attack. So if your enemy is hitting you from head on, you not only hit them, you'll not only defend yourself head on with them, but then you have part of your forces coming from the flank or come around from the rear, attacked from different ways, directly, indirectly. So, in all fighting, the direct method may be used for joining battle, but indirect methods will be needed in order to secure victory. So, the indirect approach, this is uh, very interesting. You hear a lot of people say, especially when you're dealing with uh, humans and you're dealing with different personalities, as a leader in a leadership position, Most of the time, you're going to have to take an indirect route to guide that person to get to the point that you want them to be at. You hear a lot of people saying, oh, I'm just too direct, this and that. But yeah, you might want to rethink that, okay? Because when you come direct at someone, you just say, hey, man, your plan sucks. We're not going to do it that way. This is the way we're supposed to do it. I can't believe that you want to do it that way. You're so stupid. What is uh, the person that you're trying to lead in that position, what is their reaction going to be? Their reaction is going to be to flip you off 
whatever your plan is that you're trying to impose on them, they're going to resist that, okay? So no matter what it is, if you come at them directly like that and say, I don't know why we would, why you think that plan would work, you got to be, that's so stupid, your plan sucks, we're not doing it that way. If you think that they're going to be receptive to that and you think that they're going to be like, yeah, man, you know what, you're right, I'm so stupid, I don't know what I was thinking, yeah, your, your plan is so superior, I'm definitely going to go with that. If you think that's what the reaction is going to be, you're totally wrong. Okay, you're going to get resistance from them. And if you're trying to impose your plan or your ideals onto a group of people, you're going to get resistance on a large scale. And it's going to be very hard for you as a leader to implement and get your team to get on board with the plan. But if you come indirect and you make them come up with the plan and you guide them in a way to where they come up with the plan that you want them to come up with, it'll be a lot easier for you to transition them into going towards the goal that you had envisioned, okay? And it doesn't mean that your plan is always right. So your plan might actually be bad and your team might come up with a better plan. And if you as a leader can't accept that and you go along with a bad plan just because you're the leader and you came up with this is what we're gonna do, and uh, my subordinates don't know anything, you need to check yourself. You seriously need to check yourself if that's your mentality. You need to have an open mind. You need to be able to adapt. You need to be able to overcome to different circumstances. All right. So then the indirect route is usually the better route. There are not more than five musical notes Yet the combinations of these five give rise to more melodies than can ever be heard. There are not more than five primary colors, blue, yellow, red, white, and black. Yet in combination, they produce more hues than can ever be seen. There are not more than five cardinal tastes, sour, acid, salt, sweet, bitter. Yet combinations of them yield more flavors than can be ever tasted. In battle... There is not more than two methods of attack, the direct and the indirect. Yet these two in combination can rise to an endless series of maneuvers. The direct and indirect lean on each other over in turn. It is like moving in a circle. You never come to an end. Who can exhaust the possibilities of their combination? So using different tactics, using different maneuvers of direct and indirect contact gives your position more mobility and gives you more options of what to do. It keeps your enemy on their toes so they don't know what to expect. As soon as they think that you're coming from the front, you're coming from the flank, you're coming from the rear, they're getting arrows shot at them from above coming from the hills on the high ground, okay? You're keeping them on their toes. They don't really know what's going on. So in your own life, how do you apply a tactic like that of using direct and indirect? We already talked about it as far as the leader standpoint, getting your team to go along with the plan that you want them to go along with. You got to take a indirect route. 
And you have to have a combination of that as well. So being able to combine the direct and indirect. You hear a lot of people say, oh, I I just want to be, just give it to me straight. Just give it to me the straight way. They say that, but their reactions when people are like that do not match up, okay? They don't support that theory. That's really what they want because of their actions. They get pushback, all right? They are resistant. They don't want to adopt that change. They don't want to adopt that plan. They are resistant to the direct approach. All right. So the indirect is often the best way to go, but figuring out how to maneuver that direct and indirect combination is something that you're going to have to examine in your own situation. A lot of times you can be a direct in one circumstance it depends on the situation, right? It depends on what it is. So if you're a leader and your answer to subordinates when they ask you why they're doing something, if your answer is because I said so, then you got a problem. That means you can't articulate your reasoning for doing things. And then so since you're not giving your subordinates a true answer of why they are doing something. That means that they are going to say there's something nefarious going on here. There's something that our boss doesn't want us to know. There is some type of evil intent that is being brought into this situation that makes them uncomfortable. And they're going to be resistant to this type of change. So if you try to flex and say, oh, we're going to do this because I'm the boss and this is what I say, how do you expect them to to really want to implement that? But if you explain to them the reasoning why you're doing it and why it's important, and then they could see in their minds and say, okay, I understand now. So now I'm going to um, try to implement this change in the way that the company's vision of things are going to be. And then the company and your employees can be in the same vision, right? But if you, it's just if you're just flexing because you're doing power moves and you just want to flex your muscle, flex your power, you're not going to get that type of good result, and you're setting yourself up for defeat that way. If you can't articulate why you're doing things to your subordinates, then they're not going to fall in line with it. They're going to resist it. Their morale is going to go down. Their employee satisfaction is going to go down. That means that your customer satisfaction is going to go down. So you have to be honest with your employees. If you're doing things to your employees and you're making changes that do have evil intent and are nefarious, then you you got a problem. You got a big problem. You need to change that. All right. Let's continue. Let's flip the script. So the quality of decision is like the well-timed swoop of a falcon which enables it to strike and destroy its victim. Therefore, the good fighter will be terrible in his onset and prompt in his decision. Energy may be likened to the bending of a crossbow. The potential energy is in the crossbow, in the bending of the crossbow. So it's bent. that's where the energy is. So as soon as that trigger goes, that arrow is going to fly out. But the decision part comes in when to pull that trigger 
at the right opportunity, at the right time. The timing of that decision will either make that shot count or it will be a wasted arrow. All right, so amid the turmoil and tumult of battle, there may be seeing disorder and yet no real disorder at all. Amid confusion and chaos, your array may be without head or tail, yet it will be proof against defeat. Simulated disorder postulates perfect discipline. Simulated fear postulates courage. Simulated weakness postulates strength. All right, so this is like what our, our military does in basic training. Uh, especially in the Marine Corps. I can only speak from the Marine Corps because that's what I was in. I haven't been to other recruit trainings. But in the Marine Corps, they create a situation of controlled chaos, a controlled disorder. It's complete chaos and disorder and fear and everything else while you recruit. But it's actually controlled by the drill instructors, right? So it is a simulation of chaos and how you're going to operate in chaos. When they try to create so much stress on you and have you doing other tasks at the same time so that when you get into the worst of a combat situation, that you won't freeze, that you'll be able to think, that you'll be able to do things under that type of immense stress. Because if... If you've never experienced any type of chaos or any type of extreme stress and you get into a situation where lives are on the line and you can't think and you can't operate and you're going to you're going to be useless, right? So that's why in basic training they create that type of environment to get your brain thinking, your muscle memory going so that when there's a whole bunch of chaos going on around you, you will be able to think you'll be able to break that tunnel vision you'll be able to operate you'll be able to move under that immense stress so this is what Sun Tzu was saying here being able to create simulations of these things will make you a better army better fighter better company whatever it is if you're able to simulate any type of situation so that you can learn how to operate through that that will benefit you in the long run. So thus, one who is skillful at keeping the enemy on the move maintains deceitful appearances. According to which the enemy will act, he sacrifices something that the enemy may snatch at it. By holding out baits, he keeps him on the march. Then, with the body of picked men, he lies in wait for him. The clever combatant looks to the effort of combined energy does not require too much from individuals, hence his ability to pick out the right men and utilize combined energy. When he utilizes combined energy, his fighting men become, as it were, like unto rolling logs or stones, for, for it is the nature of a log or a stone to remain motionless on the ground and to move when on a slope. If four-cornered to come to a standstill, but if rounded, shaped to go rolling down. Thus, the energy developed by good fighting men is as the momentum of a round stone rolled down a mountain thousands of feet in height, so much on the subject of energy. 
Yeah. You hear the term good vibes and bad vibes, right? So if you have good vibes or people are giving you good vibes, that means that most of the time the momentum is going to keep going in that direction. So if you've ever been in a situation where you're feeling really good, you're feeling really awesome, everything's going well, and then all of a sudden somebody comes at you with some bad energy and that strikes everything, messes everything up, right? So if you keep that positive energy, that momentum, then things are going to keep going in that way. The way Sun Tzu's explaining is that if you could get your troops into that type of energy, that they will be operating as if stones are just rolling down a slope of a hill. So it's a stone's nature to just stand still unless it's on a slope and there's some energy behind it and it keeps rolling. It's the same way with your army, same thing with your company. You get on that momentum and you keeps going. It keeps going, right? As long as you keep that good energy, that positive energy going, you will keep that momentum and you will keep seeing the results. It's the same thing like when you're working out, once you get on a routine, once you start going, you wake up and you're like, man, I can't wait to go attack, get that workout in. I can't wait to go for that run. I can't wait to do that. And you're on that momentum and you're riding that wave, right? You heard that term before, ride the wave. But then sometimes you get blocked. Sometimes you get blocked and you get on a standstill and something happens. You don't get to work out that day. You miss two days. You miss three days. You miss four days, right? Best thing you could do when you're in that situation is at the next opportunity, you make sure that you go and do it. You go get that workout in. You get that run in. Whatever it is you got to do inside your company, get the momentum back at the next opportunity. That's when you do it. If it's right now, you go and do it right now. Whenever it is, you get back on that momentum. The worst thing you could do is push it off until the next day if you have the opportunity to do it today. Don't push off for tomorrow what you could do today because you're losing valuable time. You're losing. Listen, we're not getting any younger. Every day that goes by, we're getting older. Every day that we waste, every opportunity that we miss is a day wasted. And it's a setback. Whatever your goal is, if you're not doing something every single day to get towards that goal, then it's a day wasted. You are not getting any younger. There is no other opportunity. Things are not going to be different tomorrow. You have to seize on every opportunity you have. You have to get that workout in today. You have to get that run in. Whatever it is you got to do, you got to get that sale. You got to get those papers signed. Whatever it is that you're doing, it has to be done today because you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. The only thing that you have control over is the present right now. Tomorrow, you have no idea what's going to happen. You don't know what kind of blocks are going to come in your way. You don't know what's going to try to block you. Anything could happen. So while you're in the moment, While you're in this present time right now, take the opportunity. Take the opportunity. Use your time wisely. Go on the offense. Never give up. Take the high ground. Get the momentum. And win the battle. This is Flip the Script Podcast, transmission number 15. Out.